0: welcome to gleaming the tube the podcast where kevin and mike watch a film in which somebody rides a skateboard at some point finally a podcast where people talk about movies Hello, Michael. Hello, Kevin. 2012's Hard Flip. Hard Flip. (laughs) Directed by Johnny Remo, tells the story of 18-year-old Caleb, played by 30-something Randy Wayne, who is angry and just wants to skateboard until he discovers that the sweetest kickflips of all can be found in the Bible. Man. Where to begin? you know where I'd like to
1: begin? I'd like to begin with the name Randy Wayne. what a what a good name it sounds it's like a name and a nickname together.
0: <laughs> I wonder is that like a stage name? Is his real name like Randy Leloubriski? Yeah um, I don't... yeah it's it, yeah, it is a stage name because it says uh, on Wikipedia at least says that Randy Wayne Frederick. See, this is a man with, this is a guy with three first names. Yeah, yeah.
1: I just like, I love the idea of being known as, oh, oh, that's Randy Wayne. (laughs) That's, oh man, so good old, yeah, and I was like, it was funny. I was like, this chiseled, clearly 29-year-old man playing. I didn't realize until I later on that he was supposed to be playing an 18-year-old. He is a black hole of charisma. Oh my God. I, it was, I, that was the first thing I noticed. I was like, wow. So you've, you've created a character with zero likability. There's nothing interesting about the guy. He doesn't seem to have a discernible sense of humor or uh, seem to even really like skateboarding very
0: much. No, it's like his desire is to go pro and, like, make his living off skateboarding, yet he got very angry when someone was videotaping him.
1: It's, I, I, it's almost like we have identical, I was like, that's exactly the first thing I thought. I was like, all you want is skateboarding to take you away from, first of all, you're in the, in like, the, 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 the seat of modern skateboarding. It's, it's funny because he's supposed to live in San Diego, but, well, maybe it was filmed a lot in San Diego, but that skate park and all that, that's Venice Beach.
0: That the movie seemed to me like it took place in Los Angeles, and and so
1: when the kid starts filming him, it's like he it's it's like it's supposed to be this early marker of integrity that I don't want to be filmed. I just want to skate, but except that five minutes prior to that, he talks about wanting to go pro, and you know, so that skateboarding can take him away from whatever hellish situation he's living in so and I was like so wait so film you or don't film you like which is it bud like I'm not really sure it
0: was it, it's it's weird because uh, you know the movie on, on a very superficial level this movie reminded me of street dreams but like Paul Rodriguez Jr. who was not like a fantastic actor but you know had a likability and had screen presence I was willing to follow him through a movie whereas this dude this was a tough watch man I understand that
1: his living situation and all that so it might not have been ideal, but it's it's sort of hard to empathize much with a very handsome, like, 18-year-old
0: fuckface. <laughs> you know I mean? just... We've watched, like, 18 skateboarding movies in this podcast so far, and in all 18, the protagonist has not had a good living situation in any of them. And in fact, compared to a lot of the other living situations, it seemed as
1: though his was actually not terrible. (laughs) Like he lived right near Venice Beach. You know, it was actually I think it was a little like a little bungalow style house. Yeah, I, I immediately was drawn like the first thing that kept drawing my eye was all these like weird inconsistencies in just, you know, in just his his story where he like didn't seem to think about or like skateboarding very much, but seemed pretty naturally good at it. Um, I thought it was an interesting choice to, I guess the the actor, Randy Wayne, in a lot of the scenes where he was just like skating around, that was really him. And you could tell, I know this is, a, this is one of those subtle skateboarder only things, but you could just tell by the position of his shoulders that he was fantastically not comfortable on a skateboard at all. And I was just like, oh, geez, like... <laughs> Why do you look like you're being like fitted for a tuxedo you don't want to be wearing right now?
0: Which is interesting because, like, if you get someone who can't skateboard in this role, then you're theoretically gonna cast for likability and acting. <laughs> and that right. didn't work either. I was yeah, like, so how did this kid get the the, the, the role? I yeah,
1: I wasn't sure myself.
0: Well, I'll um, tell I'll tell you my suspicion as to how this kid got the role is this is basically like, this is a Christian skateboarding movie. Yes. So I, this is part of whatever the, the shadow Hollywood of like Christian media is where I think, and I don't know a ton about this, but it seems like there's this, you know, there are people who make movies just for the hardcore Christian audience. I think Kirk Cameron's one of them. And You know, the production values, as we can see, are are not very good, but maybe there seems to be enough of an audience for it that, you know, they do it. But I don't think anyone who can make it in actual Hollywood makes these movies, because even like, you know, something I do know about is uh, is editing. Like, you know, when I, I started my career as an editor and the editing in this movie was noticeably terrible to me. And. Good editing is usually invisible. This is possibly the worst editing I've seen in a motion picture.
1: It it really did. I think the thing that stuck out to me more than the editing was just the just bad writing, like just like story leads, like lines that kind of never really led to, to anything, and weird asides that never you had no like. I had nothing invested at all in this story whatsoever. I just every every new scene. I was like, why do I give a shit about this? Like the scene where she, the, the mom, uh, who is it, Patricia Arquette? It's Rosanna Arquette. Rosanna Arquette sorry. Who is
0: desperately seeking a better movie than this. <laughs>
1: Beautiful. I, the scene where she has her, like, you know, I guess like a brain aneurysm or whatever. Did it did it seem funny to you that he was playing his music so loud that it was like causing her some kind of physical pain? But he also was listening to
0: it on earbuds. Yeah. And he was listening to like a song called Dying Inside because this movie does not traffic in subtlety. Um, And the, the music sounds like a director of a Christian movies idea of what punk music would sound like.
1: Oh yeah, it's that. It's very much that. Like, well, it's like you said about the 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 you know the the alternate Hollywood. It's also there's an entire Christian rock, you know, alternate Christian rock world where these sort of like, sort of fake emo Christian metal bands, you know, do a brisk trade in selling Christian rock records to Christian rock kids but i thought I thought that was interesting, like wait, why is she if he's listening to that music on his i on his headphones, then why is it so loud that she's like pounding on the door
0: asking him to turn it off, and then does that mean that he killed her? <laughs> I don't think no she had like like brain cancer or something I want yeah. a sidebar about the Christian rock scene that you mentioned because this this movie is like wall to wall terrible Christian rock, yeah, yeah, and the thing that gets me is. Uh, th- I'm going to, this is going to sound bougie as fuck, but like I have one of those Peloton bikes. And on like the Peloton Facebook groups, people are, there's a subset of people who are always asking, like, can there be a Christian rock ride? Can there be a Christian rock ride? And what I don't get is like Johnny Cash was a Christian. Three fourths of you two are Christians. Like there are Christian rock bands who are not making shitty cr- Christian rock music. These are just the Christian rock bands in the Christian rock band scene just aren't good enough to be in the actual music scene if they were they would like break through like Amy Grant did
1: sure well I think that's the thing is that when you if you lean into the Christian side of it you've almost you've got this built-in audience that will totally buy your records and you'll totally play at those giant Christian you know fellowship weekend you know things at the, the mega churches uh but you'll never breach that and there and it's funny because there is an entire Christian skate scene that's the same way that like the, I think I do I believe Christian Asoy and Brian Sumner who are the two pros in this movie have like a Christian skate team and so yeah you can it's, it's and it's exactly that it's like for it's for like young skaters who kind of can't swing it in the in the regular skate scene but if they lean into their Christianity they'll get some boards you know within the the christian skate scene so it 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 is interesting that it's all couched in this weird like 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 you said like this like parallel universe of christian movies and christian rock music and christian skateboarding and
0: what you get is fucking hard (laughs) flip it's i you had talked about the writing in terms of, like, theme, but even down to the dialogue, man. Oh, my goodness. Like, the first scene, you could tell that the writer is trying to mimic the way people actually talk. So there's a lot of, oh, hey. Hey, how are you doing? Okay. Hey, all right. And it's, you know, dialogue should either, like, move the story forward or reveal character. And this is just sort of, like, placeholder dialogue. I think at a certain point, with the, the once a movie
1: really reveals itself as being a bad movie i almost lean into it and start to enjoy it for how bad it is and i and in that way i would say i really enjoyed this movie (laughs) but but in a way where i did not enjoy it at all
0: (laughs) i'll tell you i had to do multiple uh viewings just because i I couldn't do this in one sitting and it's only you know it's like an hour and 45 minutes or something but
1: it's it's funny like it even just like the, i think if one of the thoughts i was having while watching it was like there is this this interesting thing that happens it's kind of been a running theme in a lot of the movies we've watched where so much of what happens in skateboarding is this like indeterminable vague part of skateboarding where it's it really is just a lot of like sitting around in parking lots and and talking shit and doing tricks with your friends. And so a lot of times I think in a cinematic sense directors have to invent things that happen in skateboarding like the 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 what is it the the jousting scene in Thrashing where it, and and in this movie it was that weird contest that wasn't a contest that was like this weird scam where the that the bad guy, kid writer, like, ha- like it's $400 to enter this amorphous contest where the organizer is also a participant and is clearly just just like scamming the other skaters for the, <laughs> for the money. And I, re- I was watching it like, this isn't a thing. Like this completely unsanctioned thing where they just skate in the streets and film it. And then somebody is somehow dubbed a winner. Like that's not a real thing so if you're if you're watching this movie and not a skateboarder and wondering if that's a real thing it is patently not a real thing
0: <laughs> so weird it is and uh you know you had mentioned that, that christian Hussoy's in this and he was like a producer in some capacity on the movie uh michael tell our listeners who may not know about christian Hussoy. Well, Christian Asoy is sort of, you know, he's, he
1: really is, these days, he's like the poster boy for sort of born-again Christianity and skateboarding. Uh, he, like a lot of skaters in the 80s, it's, it's, his, his story parallels uh, Gator and some of those guys it, 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 to, up to a certain point where he was absolutely this rock star skateboarder in the 80s. He was sort of, if you watch the, there's a documentary called Rising Sun, which is about his journey. And he was like, you know, in the in the in the Vert and Pool uh contest circuit in the 80s, he was kind of the only real rival to Tony Hawk. And where Tony Hawk was this very technical uh inventor of tricks, uh Christian Assoy was the rock star. He was he, he he was like he was he was cool in all the ways that Gator was cool and then but didn't kind of turn into a total kook later on he had a a a very um formidable style he could pull airs very very high off of the vert ramp and he dressed in you know crazy 80s he was like he would wear like you know spandex shorts and crazy colored shirts and everything and then as the vert scene you know this has been covered numerous times in the podcast as the vert scene sort of died off uh, and some of those guys sort of started smaller companies on their own. Christian Asoy, you know, it, it's weird. We it, again, we've we've touched on this. It's like you, you're famous in this very specific way to a very specific subset of people. You've been in Hollywood movies. You've, you you know, you have a really nice house and inexpensive cars, and and you you sort of rub elbows with actual celebrities. But you're you're really just a pro skateboarder. And, and so you kind of hit this ceiling. And then I think he was like, you know, having trouble with finances and stuff and found himself uh, smuggling crystal meth. Like, I think to Hawaii, if I'm not mistaken, they touch on it in the documentary. And he got arrested and did some real time. I think he did five years in federal prison. And as cliche as that is, you know, came out the other side of it, having found... The, the Lord Jesus Christ um, and was, but the cool thing was he was still a relatively young man and was, and was sort of welcomed back into skateboarding. You know, by the time he kind of got, got out and got his shit together, uh, skateboarding had sort of finally re-embraced that skate park and vert culture again. And, you know, there was this whole sort of master's league of, of older pros. And he, you know, started competing again and he still rides for vans. And he's like, a, he's, I do like that there is sort of a place in pro skateboarding now. So for these like legacy pros where they've clearly aged out and their style is stiffened up a little bit and, you know, but they're still well regarded athletes in that world. And because of the return of, you know, concrete skate parks and that stuff, they, those guys kind of have like a, a forum in which to skate. And so Christian Assoy does have like a little, in real life, he does have like a little, company a little imprint and he's you know he's sort of still a very well-regarded skateboarder yeah it'd be like in the 2000s going to see rick flair wrestle it, exactly and that's the other thing the, the other interesting thing is we got we got to touch on the brian sumner issue here kevin because <laughs> brian sumner was uh, a really well-regarded street skater he was on tony hawk's company birdhouse and a, at some point found religion but you know has a, a pretty damn solid career in skateboarding but he appears in this movie as himself a human real person but also uh it's heavily insinuated that he's some kind of omniscient angel type being who can appear and disappear
0: yeah he kind of uh he came down and visited uh randy wayne Showed, but showed him the Jesus skateboard. Right. Which he had handy to be like, well, this is what got me through. His yeah. own pro model, you know. Yeah. Gives Randy the Jesus skateboard at the climactic skate off. Right. When his board breaks and uh, is apparently from Liverpool, but doesn't sound like it. But also then sort of disappears into the ether. Like there are
1: two scenes where he like, you know, he also meets earlier on, he meets the Caleb character and they they have a kind of a Rango Tango skateboard adventure together. Which, is, to be honest, is kind of the of one of the closest um, uh, representations of how, like, you know, street skating, you just meet up with somebody and you can just go street skating. But then he just sort of like disappears like Batman. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, like, wait, this is a, a real person playing themselves. Is it's are they implying that he's some kind of like vaporous character? <laughs> like I think so. It's 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 a little bit of a plot hole, I would say, Kevin. Like what's what's going on with with uh, with with Spirit Brian Sumner? <laughs> um, I you know, out of curiosity, I did look him up. Uh, and, uh, if, if any of our listeners are curious, there's a skateboarding magazine called Jenka mag. That's an online skate magazine, uh, that has, a a lot of times, uh, s- certain video editors will edit together sort of like a, a highlights reel or a best of, uh, like a career highlights reel. And Jenkum mag did an ode to Brian Sumner. And it's, I mean, the skating really holds up. He really is really fucking good. Um, and, but it's also now like a preacher and has like a couple of organizations that, you know, are like Christian skateboarding organizations
0: and is also a ghost. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I mean, this, this movie felt like a youth pastor in film form.
1: Oh yeah. Like, and th- well, that was the thing I, I, as I was watching it, I, I was thinking like, you know, all of these problems and all these like things, th- these difficulties, you know, every kid has them, but then a- after his mother died and his father, you know, played by uh john schneider after his father like who is also kind of a shit bag shows up and he you know his mother dies and he you know he, he gets arrested i remember you know as he's sort of discovering he started questioning things and sort of discovering the word of the lord i kept thinking no 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 you all need therapy <laughs> you know you just just go see somebody man like you've been you, your father has been a, you know has been uh Gone for your entire childhood, and your mother just died, and you're angry.
0: You need to go talk to a, a a fucking psychoanalyst. And let let's let's talk about the suicide attempt scene. Yes, that Caleb Caleb like tries to kill himself by taking a bunch of pills and booze, and John Schneider finds him, and rather than bring him to the hospital, yes, calls the doctor to come to his house. The doctor <laughs> pumps his stomach then does not immediately insist that this kid get some fucking counseling. Right. <laughs> and just says, all right, see you later. You better be a good dad to your son. And then the next morning, Caleb wakes up in the strange house, and the fucking skateboard is next to his bed, which means that John Schneider <laughs> came upon like his son, who had clearly overdosed, and then takes him back to his house and also decides, I better bring this skateboard, too.
1: <laughs> right. What <laughs> the Right. Like I, I remember because and it's it's all that's the funny thing about the writing. It's treated as this weird aside, like, oh yeah, uh for 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 sort of personal reasons. I don't want to bring you to the hospital, even though this is clearly a medical emergency that needs immediate attention. I'm gonna go ahead and have the doctor drive out to my house and like Tarzano or whatever the fuck that was.
0: This isn't <laughs> Vincent Vega dealing with the heroin overdose in pulp fiction. It would have been fine if he brought right. This kid to the hospital. <laughs> is this, this kid's mother
1: just died of a brain tumor, and he found some of her alcohol and pills. Like the doctors are it's not like the doctors are gonna, it's literally because John Schneider just doesn't
0: want to have to deal with it, I guess. Like, is he is he in the witness protection program? <laughs> like roscoe roscoe arrested him and they put him <laughs> in their witness protection program oh. so that boss hog wouldn't know where he is right he, he roscoe pete coltrane and uh and his dog are still trying
1: to sniff him out from hazard county and he's like look i gotta lay low here even though i'm living in like a a mcmansion on the beach and in in, in in la we, we, we gotta <laughs> and then the, right the, the doctor isn't like What the fuck is wrong with you? Take him to the emergency room. Wait, how did you pump his stomach?
0: (laughs) I'm going to say this for John Schneider. He is at least a television star. He knows how to act in front of a camera. Like uh, the Oscar is safe, but he was a, like it was like a breath of fresh air when he would come on screen. And you're like, finally a fucking professional. (laughs) Right.
1: I got to tell you, Kevin, you know what scene made me stare, stand up and cheer when he shows up at the skate park in his little in his little scally cap and he makes the actorly decision to remove the sunglasses, pops them on the back of his neck. That was pretty that's, good. That's a fucking pro. He's like, I've made a couple of decisions about my character. I'm going to go. Ahead, I'm going to go ahead. Pop the sunglasses on the back. of My, neck.
0: my absolute favorite John Schneider moment in this movie. Is uh, He plays kind of like a very wealthy architect, and there's a scene where he's walking across the tarmac to his private jet on his cellular phone, and he very clearly was not given any instruction beyond, just say a bunch of stuff that sounds businessy, because he's just like, no, make it work, Uh, convene the board, get those numbers on my desk fiscal responsibility <laughs> leverage the cross-functional stakeholders and it's ju- it's just like nonsense words that sound businessy it's so great that is a fucking pro right there
1: i also i thought it was really interesting when i when i looked up on uh i did my my imdb research um i thought it was interesting that randy wayne plays the young luke duke in the dukes of hazard the
0: beginning movie so there's a little bit of a cross cross-pollination there. There's probably more to that story, but I am not going to find out what that <laughs> I, what that I is. don't fucking care. <laughs> I do
1: love that that Schneider was the was the bright spot in the film.
0: <laughs> Look, I loved the Dukes of Hazard when I was a kid. He was on that Smallville show, which I didn't really watch, but a lot of people seem to like. It's, you know, I'm, it's nice to see him getting in work. Um, I'm sure there are like Dukes of Hazard reunion movies. Uh, I'm sure the Hallmark Hall of Fame television channel is going to welcome him with arms wide open, Creed style. Sure. Schneider's fine. Schneider's going to be fine. And with Rosanna Arquette... I, you know, I feel, I I think once, once, I mean, it's sad, but like once an actress hits 40, the roles that are offered to her like dwindle substantially, unless you're like, like Meryl Streep, you know, she's doing what she's gotta. And, you know, cause uh, Rosanna Arquette has been, has been in good in other things I've seen. But uh, yeah, they didn't give her much to work with in this (laughs) this film.
1: You know what they gave her to work with, Kevin? Randy Wayne. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Randy. <laughs> Just he he might as well have been like a a, a pile of sticks with a fucking t-shirt on it. Was,
0: <laughs> this might be the worst movie we've watched for this podcast so far.
1: It really was I, I watched it in two sittings as well. Like I got a, I I only had about four 20 minutes left and i was like i you know what i gotta tap out here
0: watch a couple of episodes of larry sanders and regroup (laughs) i think i think i try to do this and i think you're more successful at it than me but i try and meet art where it is sure like you know when we watch ninja turtles i was kind of like you know this is a goofy people in turtle costume film aimed at 11 year olds you know you try and and meet that where it is but i don't know who this movie is for Well, it's it's really, it's like the, you know, it's like preaching to the converted. They showed
1: it at, you know, youth, youth gatherings for Christian, you know, like, and I'm sure it was a big hit, but all of the, like the, the, all of like the points of conflict in the movie that, you know, it's all based on that, well, what you need is the Lord. And at the end of the day, I think a lot of the characters needed some things, but, I'm not certain that the Lord was one of them.
0: You know, like, uh, you know how we had Emily on last time to talk about Riot Girl. Maybe we should have had a youth pastor on this episode.
1: Perhaps, yeah. Like, it's even like, for me, to, the, a lot of the funny stuff, like, I, I'm to kind of to go back to what I was talking about earlier, like, one of the funny things about being, I've been, you know, involved in, in the love of skateboarding for years and years and years. And I think one of the funniest things when you watch, When you watch it being depicted, you know, in a, in, in a, in a movie outside, you know, from outside of the actual skate industry is like I said, there's all these weird, like, there's all these weird dynamics that just like don't really exist in that world. Like the kid rider who was like kind of the bad guy, who's like a sponsored skateboarder, but sort of like, like, the idea of like a skate crew like that with somebody who just asserts themselves as like the boss and everyone else just sort of falls in line. And I just think about any time I've ever been around skateboarders. And if there's the one guy who's sort of like, you know, acting as though he's like the leader of some sort of gang, there's always some other kid who's like, Hey, why don't you shut the fuck up? You know, like, like where was the other kid who was like, you know, you're, you're just another kid, right? Yeah. Like,
0: like, even in even in Thrashin', Robert Russler had you know his sister would be like, "What what's your fucking problem?"
1: Yeah, like why are you acting that way? <laughs> you and you know? know he
0: he dressed like the Road Warrior and jousted, so I was willing to let that slide for that movie.
1: Well, sure. I mean, it was painted and with much broader brushstrokes in thrashing. whereas in this movie, I was yeah, I was like they all. Like, why are you in charge?
0: Like, <laughs> why Why are they hanging out with this douchebag?
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, hey, everybody, come over to my house where I have this mini ramp and I'll be verbally and physically abusive to you. Like, I don't know. I think I'll just go to the to the Venice Beach uh, Skate Park. Oh, Speaking of that, I also wanted to mention that uh, of all of the uh, kind of higher profile concrete skate parks that I've uh, seen in person in the world, the Venice Beach Skate Park is the least favorite skate park that i've ever seen in my life i hate it it is a it is a no place for no one it's 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 uh somehow gigantic and also small and tight and in direct sunlight no matter where you stand there is no shade it is a place for nothing to happen for no one and i
0: hate it so hard flip is the venice beach skate parks of movies sure
1: I think that's that's a a, a a perfect encapsulation of our experience.
0: <laughs> oh, Mike, I think the power of Christ compels us to stop talking about this film.
1: Yeah, maybe that's that should be it. I, I did I did enjoy a cameo appearance by Matt Beachman, who played the arresting officer, who was the host of a of a charming little, uh, little show on the former fuel network called uh New Pollution, where they would like talk to younger. Kids involved in extreme sports, and I thought he was like a very deft host of that show. And immediately was like, "Hey, I remember that guy." But that's maybe maybe the high point of the movie was the small appearance of Matt Beachman. <laughs> we right. can leave it at that. Shout out to Matt Beachman.
0: Thank you for listening. Our website is gleamingthetube.net. We're on Facebook at gleamingthetube. Twitter and Instagram at gleamthetube and our email is gleamingpod at gmail.com Production assistance by Liam Gray Music by Kissing Contest Skateboarding is not a crime